Thanks for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Borg. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. out. If you got your Bible uh, apps, your iPads, get those out. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Have you ever signed up for something not fully knowing what you were getting when you signed up? Uh, Maybe you recognized uh, uh, some component of it that you fully needed and you didn't bother to do the research and look at everything else. I mean, certainly all of us have downloaded software and we clicked that, that agreement. I agree. Yes, I agree. You have no idea what you're agreeing to, right? I mean, no, I don't think anyone on the planet has ever read that. But we agree. I mean, we, we just, because there's something that we recognize. I do need this. I do want this. You don't know what other things when we're involved with it. Sometimes that can be a, a real positive. I mean, there are times when you know, you might buy insurance because you buy a car and you know the law requires you to insure it. And so immediately you call an insurance agent, say, I got this car, I need to get coverage established right away so I can get this thing on the road. And, and, and so you, you, you're just going to pay for it, you're going to sign up for it no matter what. But then you realize later, hey, there's kind of some perks to this. And hey, they, I can buy discounted movie tickets or theme park tickets and you find out the company gives you some other stuff as well as uh, what you knew you, you needed. I know we were doing a, a, a dream team celebration here last year and, uh, and all those who are involved in the ministry here they came and they're thinking hey we're going to take pictures of course we did all that pictures and you know big hoorah give them vision for the things to come and get everyone on the same page we did all that stuff but you know after after the meeting you know what happened is catered barbecue showed up and no one knew it and it's like I thought I was just coming to get you know for a meeting going through this stuff and all of a sudden they were fed luxuriously and and it was I mean it was a I was like I'm glad I went to the meeting now I think about salvation Uh, how many of you studied out the kingdom of God all of scripture Um, you you studied everything 100% and got everything learned and then you gave your life to the Lord you decided yeah this is a good deal I like this Or, or were you like like many of us you knew about this much you heard about God's love, Jesus dying for you on the cross. You thought, you know, forgiveness, that sounds like a good idea. I'm in, right? I mean, you didn't fully comprehend hell. <laughs> you didn't fully comprehend heaven. You just knew a little bit, and you signed up, knowing very little, but knowing enough to get you to, you know, bow your knee to the Lord Jesus, and you made him the Lord of your life. You're in the family of God but how many recognize that after going in, getting into the kingdom, there's some more things to look at? Huh? There, there, there's more there than you probably even knew you were getting when you first received forgiveness and eternal life. I, I, was, I was in uh, Ketchikan, Alaska in the early 90s preaching at a church there. If you've ever been there, it's right on the coast, and... Uh, uh, it's a small town, but cruise ships come in there. And I had never been on a cruise ship, and I was pretty impressed and fascinated with their, their size. 
and I wanted to know what was inside. I wanted to look in, and I didn't really know how that all worked, and I thought, you know, maybe it's like a hotel. Maybe I can go in and look around. And so it was right there by the town, so I'm walking. So I thought, I'm walking over there. It was very close. I walked, and I walked up the ramp uh, to the guy at the door, and I said, can I come in and look around? You know what he said? No. <laughs> and he wouldn't let me, but I was very curious as to what was in there, and, and uh, uh, you know, later I was able to actually go, you know, go through the legal channels, pay the, pay for, uh, the ticket, and get on those cruise ships, and pretty impressive. You know, there's just, it's like a floating hotel with a mall and restaurants and, you know, pools and all this kind of stuff. I, one of the things we often would do when first getting on a ship is you go find your room, and then you go go hunting. <laughs> you go scouting around. I'm going to go, I'm going to go check this place out and see what is here. Ride the elevators and just look at everything. And sometimes depending on the size, it can take you a while. I mean, I mean, I did see the love boat when I was, you know, a kid. And so I had a little experience before getting on, uh, you know, with Captain Steubing and, and uh, Isaac and uh, some of those guys. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, but we bought the crew, you'd buy the cruise, and then you get on, and then you start to explore. Likewise, it is with salvation. When someone receives the Lord and they stop right there, it's like, hold, hold on here. Yeah, you're going to heaven, but there is a whole bunch of good stuff. There's a whole lot to look at. There's a whole lot to discover. You need to start exploring the vastness of God's goodness and his blessings and his glory and his plan for your life because he has a purpose and a reason for you being here, and he wants you to discover that. Huh? And, and, and I think we do ourselves a great disservice if we just receive salvation and stop right there. Okay? It's time to look around. It's time to understand what we signed up for and start taking advantage of the perks and of the blessings and of the, you know, the good things that the Lord has included with this deal. Amen. Amen. And so I want you to look over with me at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Let's begin reading here in verse 13. Matthew 16, 13. Uh, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Is that question applicable to our lives today? That it's not enough just to know what everybody else thinks. It's not enough just to be well-read and be able to define the positions that different groups and different people have on God or have on Jesus. Well, I think he's this, I think he's this. Ultimately, for our own well-being, for our own eternity, we must come to a place where we say something about Jesus. What say you? What, what do you say about him? If you don't have a, have a strong conviction, then you cannot benefit from who he really is. 
all right I don't want to just describe him from afar I need a personal revelation that's what he had verse 17 then Jesus answered and said to him blessed are you Simon Bar-Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven in other words you didn't get this just from talking to people you didn't get this from listening to everyone's opinion God the father opened this up to you he showed you this what you just said that came from heaven all right personal revelation is huge it is vital not only that we you know know stuff from a mental standpoint but that we get it inside we actually see it we have revelation I'm telling you if the father would reveal something to Peter he'll reveal something to you when it's revealed it works when it's cloudy you don't see it you don't understand it's hard to take advantage of and benefit from whatever he's saying soon as you get it revelation starts to make things click in your life verse verse 18 and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven and so notice this phrase notice this language Jesus used here he said I will build my church we are a part of something glorious something powerful something defined by the Lord undefeatable we cannot lose we are involved in something that was not created by by the will of man church is not man's idea now listen a lot of religion is is man's idea I get that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a human invention it's not man's ingenuity it, it is not something uh, humanly devised that we are a part of this is something very important something that we should really understand and get this is something that is of God Jesus said this a couple thousand years ago he said I will build my church and here we are we are a manifestation of Jesus work you are I am a part of something the Lord Jesus himself said he would build yeah I don't know you're not getting this yet but uh, <laughs> there's something about this that says I'm a part of something that God made that is a big deal I mean the very fact that I'm thinking the way I am the very fact that I've lived my life the way I have and I have given myself to him and I am a part of what he's doing that was his design yeah and and and, and so knowing what you are a part of will significantly impact the way you live uh, it'll impact what you pour your life into what you pour your energy into you know if you read back in in Genesis chapter 11 there was a group of people who decided to build something and uh, you remember that it's called the Tower of Babel look what look what it says in 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 Genesis 11 right there on the screen uh, it, and they said come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth they decided to do something and where is it now 
It's not. It's called the Tower of Babel. That's where the Lord confused their language, and, and they were no longer able to operate together. See, they didn't seek the Lord's plan. They didn't get involved in something he was doing. They came up with their own plan. They said, this is what we want to do. Now, they would have been able to do a good bit of it, but it wasn't the plan of God, so it wasn't allowed to stand. All right? Now, I know um, today uh, there are a lot of things that people are building, and there's no doubt in my mind that the Lord would help and even lead people to build businesses, organizations, structures. Uh, the Lord will give us ideas and all, all these types of things to build this stuff. But how many know, unless whatever we build has a underlying purpose of building the church that the Lord Jesus is building, it will eventually be not come to nothing. It will eventually be a pile of ashes. It will not last. It will not be remembered. It will not matter. Okay? Is the Lord helping people to build stuff? Sure. But there's a purpose for it. The reason for it must intersect with what Jesus is building. And if it is, it's significant. If it's not, it really doesn't matter. It's really not going to make any difference long term. I mean, we look at, uh, we, we went, were in Rome last year. Uh, there's some pretty impressive, to our human minds, structures like the Colosseum and Arch of Titus and some of these things that have lasted a very long time, relatively speaking, to our lives, <laughs> not to eternity. I mean, no, thousands of years in eternity is, boop. but we're, we're impressed by, man, it's still there. It's amazing that these things still stand. But how many know you wait a few years? It's only a matter of time. They'll be gone. Because no matter, the best of what man can build will not last. The best idea you have for your life is temporary. But if you will get God's plan, if you will be involved in something that he is building, if you will get his vision for your life, that's something that will last. It'll make a difference today, and it'll be talked about in eternity. Okay, uh, that's why I, I, I'm excited about this because Jesus said, this is what I'm doing. And I don't think I can say, I'm serving the Lord. I'm just worshiping Jesus. The Lord and I, we are tight. But I don't have anything to do with building the church. Because that's what he's building. And so if I'm not involved in doing what he's doing, I'm not really that involved with him. Everybody Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the church, all right? I want to get a little bit technical here so we can lay a good foundation and understand what the Lord is building, all right? So when I say technical, I've got to do a little bit of language, language stuff. I'm not going to cuss. I'm not talking about <laughs> not language, like language like Greek language. Uh, this, <laughs> this word that Jesus used here when he said, I will build my church, uh, is the Greek word ecclesia. Anybody ever heard the word ecclesia? All right, say that with me. Ecclesia. All right. Uh, that word um, basically is two parts. That the, the word ek means out from, and the word kaleo means to call. So the ecclesia are the called out ones. Everybody with me? Now, in their day, in the day of, of 
when Jesus used that word, it wasn't just some shocking word where he's building something. Obviously, it's brand new and, and so forth. What he was doing was new. But it wasn't like everyone said, oh, what? You're going to build an ecclesia? We've never heard of that before. They actually had heard of that because that word wasn't, wasn't religious in nature. Okay. In other words, it simply meant a gathering. It was people who gathered together for a purpose. So you could have the soldiers getting together, and they were having an ecclesia to talk about military stuff. You could have a civic meeting in society, and people would gather together, and, they, and in their day, they would call that church. That would be our word now. But they would call that ecclesia. All right? Uh, so, uh, you know, if our, if our governor called a meeting of all the officials and said, we're calling together a church meeting, <laughs> we would think, you are? <laughs> well, praise God. <laughs> But in, the, in their day, they did that, but it didn't have a religious connotation per se. And so when, when Jesus used that language, he's basically saying, I am going to build my ecclesia. And they recognize the word. What is that? That's people gathering together for a specific purpose. They're coming together to accomplish something. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my assembly of people. You could say it that way. Gathered for my purpose. You, you might recall Peter used the language that we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right? So a believer then is a called out one. They're called into his light. They're called into what? Into the ecclesia. Everybody okay? Now, when we say that, here's why I think this is real important and why we need to differentiate um, the real meaning of the words from often the practical application or understanding that we use is the church obviously is not a building but we, t we tend to refer to buildings that way all the time but when Jesus said that there was no connotation no thought whatsoever that his disciples said huh so you're going to build some, some nice places, huh? You're going to build some real ornate buildings and put these things up. Great, let's get a construction crew together. That's not what he was talking about. It's not what he even thought he was talking about. He said, I'm going to build this gathering. Uh, and it's my gathering. It's not, we're not gathering for this purpose, for this purpose, but it is for the kingdom of God. And I'm going to build this thing. And I tell you, hell is not going to prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail. Now, might the gates of hell prevail against a, a building or a structure? Yeah, but not, the church will never go down. All right. I know that sometimes in the world, um, the world likes to talk about the, the church in decline. And you'll see different, uh, you know, surveys and say that the church is in decline. I'm here to tell you the church is not in decline. We are not on our way down. Uh, we are going, the church is expanding rapidly all across the world today. How many know, uh, I mean, we're growing, many, many great works are growing in the United States and great things are happening, but we're only a part of this too. In other countries, there is so much tremendous things happening where the gospel is going forward. You don't hear it on the news, but, uh, you know, try, try Googling Muslims having visions of Jesus for a while and see all the stories. 
You're not going to hear that on Fox News or CNN or something like that. But I tell you, the work of God is growing, going across the planet like a mighty moving force. We are a part of something that's winning. We are a part of something that is expanding. It is the very work of God in the earth today. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go back to this, what the, what the church is not. Think about the early church. Now, uh, day of Pentecost, Peter preaches, people get saved, people getting saved by the thousands, the gospel's going out. How many know they didn't have any buildings to meet in? For them to think of a church as a building, that wasn't even, wouldn't even cross their mind. They didn't own any property. People were getting saved. Where did they meet? Wherever they could. It's just they gathered together. God's intention was always not for his believers just to be isolated, just to be alone, just to be separated. They always came together. And they'd meet in homes. They'd meet wherever they could get together and worship and, and preach and, and, and pray and, and do wonderful things together. They would meet wherever they would. But they didn't have buildings. I mean, for a long, long time they didn't have buildings. And you know, when, when Rome was in power back in those days, it it was illegal during some points in history to be a Christian. You know, I mean, that's pretty sad. And we, uh, you know, hopefully we'll never see that here. But it was pretty sad. It was illegal. And people, Christians were persecuted even unto death. But yet it was expanding and growing. And then one of the, one of the Roman emperors, Constantine, um, made Christianity legal. And, and then he later declared himself to be a Christian. All of a sudden, Christianity got popular, and, uh, and more and more people were embracing it. And that's when, if, uh, what I see is when buildings started coming into play, and they started putting up structures, and some, some of them are still up. <laughs> I mean, uh, impressive structures, and some of it was kind of weird because, you know, someone would die, a saint would die, so they'd, uh, they'd find where they were buried, and they'd build a, quote, church on top of it. All right, and some of those, again, say still, they still live today. They're still in existence today. But people started having a shift in their focus. And the church was more of an institution. It was more of this, this building. And, and people referred to the buildings as a church, and they still do. And it lacked. We got away from, I've been called out by God to gather together with others who have heard his voice and we are to get together to accomplish his will to proclaim his name to make his word known and all of a sudden it's I'm a part of this building I go to this place is everybody with me on this um, going back again a little bit what happened is when Jesus used the word ecclesia it meant something they understood that um, it's, it's really called, it's a figure of speech called a, a metonymy, which means you use the, the contents and the container and you mix up the words. It's like when you, when you um, refer to a business exec as a suit. Well, he's not really a suit. He's in one, right, if you were to break it down. Or as even as the scripture said, when we talk about communion and we drink this cup, well, we don't drink the cup. You drink what's in the cup. To refer to a building as a church is really not technically accurate because the church is who? It's the people in, inside of it. And what happened in, with the languages, there, there's another word, a, a Greek word called kyriak, which meant the Lord's house. 
And people started using that word, the Lord's house. And all of a sudden, the building became the house. When you know scripture, no, I'm the house. But the building became the house. And then uh, this word, there was a, a German word uh, called kirchi. And it, and, and it had that, that same connotation. From there, when this Bible came over into English, they had to translate Ecclesia. And because of the, how, how it was used in these different words in the different languages, it ended up we didn't get a translation per se, but we got a word that was substituted for Ecclesia, and it's called church. And really, it, it can be okay as long as we have the right understanding. But many people don't have the right understanding. You know, I mean, some will say, uh, will talk to you and say, where, uh, so where do you go to church? You say, Life Church. Where's that? And people say, well, it's over, you know, it's on Eagle Road, north of Franklin, Life Church. Well, actually, if you say, where is that? No, the church is not of that. Do you mean, where are they? Or, if you're a part, where do we meet? Yeah. Now, I'm not trying to be nitpicky with words. I want to be nitpicky with our understanding. Okay? If someone said, well, what church are you a part of? It's, and we think of that building on Eagle Road. No, 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 no. That's, one, that's, that's a primary place that we gather. We also meet in homes and different things. Uh, it's a primary place that we gather, but we are what God is doing. Hmm? When you come to a church, you come to a gathering of called out ones. You, you come to a community of God's people that he has put a spark of his spirit in to accomplish something for him. That's what we're doing here today. Amen. But you lose that, you lose that identity, that understanding, and it can get kind of dangerous, get kind of weird. You look through church history, they did all kinds of funky stuff with their buildings and power and control and, and, and so much of it, the focus was wrong. All right, I think we should have nice buildings. I think believers all across the planet should have great places to meet in, and they should be big, you know, because you need big places to reach more people. And, uh, but here's the thing. This place, it'll be a pile of ashes soon. Some of those big ornate places that are, you know, what, wonderful to look at and everything, they'll be a pile of ashes soon. This globe is going to melt with fervent heat. Okay, but there is something that's going to stand, and it's the will of God. It's the will of the Lord that will stand forever. Jesus said, I will build my church, and it is the people that he will sustain. It is our gathering that he, that he is involved with. When we are here together, it's not just you and me. You know who it is? It's the Spirit of the Lord that is with us. Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. What am I there to do? To accomplish what you ask me to do. I'm here to move and heal and fix the broken and heal the sick. And come on now. It's a God environment. It's a God-ordained thing that we are a part of. We should never see it lightly. I'm leaving that church. What, what, what? You leaving the building? Or are you leaving your family? That's a little bit different, isn't it? A little bit different when we see, when we see people that the Lord loves. Amen. Paul used this language in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. He said, the church, which is his body. 
the church. How, how did he define the church? The church, which is a really cool building. No, the church, which is his body. The church existed before there were structures to house the gatherings. And really, the only reason we know of the word church and know what that even is is because of translations, translators. Really, it could have been. I'm not, you know, I'm not proposing we get rid of the word because we have to change our sign and everything. Uh, <laughs> what really it could have been, and Greek scholars would agree with this, it, it could have been translated, Jesus said, I will build my gathering. I will build my assembly. I will build, you know, my, I, it could have been that way. And then we would even not even know what the word church is. We would not even use that word. We would just say assembly or whatever word, because we get that word from English translations. So, again, we'll keep using it. But let's do it with an understanding, all right? Who has Jesus called out? If we are the called out ones, who is in that group? How do you know if someone is a part of it? Certainly, not everyone who calls themselves a Christian is right I mean not so that's not the way it works spiritually well I'm going to identify as a Christian now well what does that mean you're going to call yourself that you're going to behave like one when you know scripture you know you have to be born again you have to have a spiritual resurrection how many know not everyone who meets in a quote church building is a Christian I mean this is one of the great concerns of people of for people like us who love people who want to see people saved is that there are many people that attend religious services on a regular basis and they're not saved they're not called out they're just in the building <laughs> I remember doing a meeting years ago with some, some people in our church talking about our vision and talking about where we're going and, and we were talking about salvation and, and uh, people were writing on this form when they, uh, when they got born again, when they received the Lord and, and, uh, and this one particular lady uh, sitting there, she got to that part you know, and she was looking at it and it was asking her the question, when were you saved? When, when did you receive Jesus as your Savior? I don't remember exact verbiage but something like that and she stopped and she thinking about it she looked up at me and said do you mean do you mean like when I was confirmed and I said well I don't know you tell me I'm not going to make that call for you but you tell me because she, she had come actually from Germany she probably uh, you know knew about kerchies and stuff and uh, did I even show, talk to you about that word I don't know if I skipped over that uh, but she come from and she was a Lutheran or something like that she had grown up in church and uh, but she got to that about being saved and about having a relationship with the Lord. And she said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, you tell me. When you went through your um, confirmation, did you receive the Lord as your Savior? Did you, were you born again? She thought, and she said, I guess not. <laughs> she was frustrated. And I'm glad. Because if you'd have asked her if she was a Christian... She'd have said yes. Without hesitation, she'd have said yes. But it was really presented to her. She never had an experience with God. She was never changed. She never made Jesus her Lord. She was never born again. 
And she didn't even know that she wasn't until someone shot her straight and said, tell me about your life. Tell me about your relationship with God. We know what everyone else says. We know what your church says. We know what these doctrines say. What do you say about Jesus? And I, you know, of course I said, it's good. You're fine. You ready to pray? She said, yes. And we prayed right then. She was born again. She got on that paper. She wrote that day's date on there. Bam, bam, exclamation point, bam. I am in now. No longer just a religious person. No longer just subscribing to a name or a building or a denomination or whatever. I know him. I say he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He is my savior. He is my redeemer, huh? She got the ticket and she's on the cruise ship. Huh? Amen. But then, of course, you got to do some looking around because we're only getting started. Scripture uses this language in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice that language, you he made alive. Made alive. In which you were once. Uh, who were dead, you were dead, now you're alive, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also, uh, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. Notice that language. Alive, dead, used to be a child of wrath. That doesn't sound good, does it? But that's a spiritual perspective. It's not judged naturally. Are you a part of this group? Do you go to this building? Do you give this kind of money? Do you, what do you, no, it's a spiritual revelation of where you stand with God. Okay, Jesus said of a, a group in John chapter 8 to some Pharisees, very religious people. He said, look, you're of your father, the devil. Well, that's a pretty strong statement. Your dad is the devil. <laughs> They didn't like that, but that was spiritually true. That was, that was the case. Amen. We need to know and understand these, these spiritual things um, so we can see things from, from, from God's perspective. Yeah. Amen. Now, there's something else I wanted to say about that. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> now, if we begin to recognize... Uh, what the church is and that everything is about the purpose of building the church building what? a building? no building what the Lord is building then it changes um, how we live our lives it's a different focus what are you pouring yourself into? And what does that have to do with what Jesus is building? It's got to have a connection or it's not worth doing. It's got to. Uh, You know, like I said, I know the Lord helps people build various businesses and organizations and so forth. But there needs to be a connection to building the Lord's church or it is really of very little value. Because it's all going to go away. What are we pouring our lives into? We need to know what the church is. We need to know what our part in building it is. Uh, 
What are we? We are a part today of the universal ecclesia, the called out ones. Uh, we are a gathering of people with a purpose. It is God's idea that we exist. And you, you, hear, you hear us say that sometimes, you know, we'll be teaching and ministering, and I'll say, you know, you know what, I said this recently, I'm really convinced that what we're doing right here, I'm talking just us, what we're doing, this is of God. God's involved in it. He's causing it. He's, he's uh, driving it. He's funding it. He's blessing it. I mean, some of the things we experience, there is no natural explanation for them. Uh, I mean, you can't naturally understand uh, from a medical perspective all the things that people are being healed of. What is that? It's evidence. This is a God thing. Jesus said, I will confirm my word with signs following. And if we're preaching the word, we're given what the Lord has given us to give, he backs it up with demonstration. He backs it up with power. And so here, here's, let me try to end because we we're going to go down this road a little ways uh, next time. We are not weak. We are not powerless. We will not be defeated. It is impossible for us to go down because the Lord said he would build his church. Ephesians 5 says we are the spotless bride. We are presented as spotless before him. Uh, Revelation talks about uh, how the, the, the bride, the lamb, the, or the wife, really the bride has made herself ready. And so there is some equipping, there is some stirring going on in the body of Christ around the world today. And the, 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 the church is, is preparing herself for great manifestations of God's glory. And we are going to meet the Lord in the air. But I tell you, we're not going down. We will not be defeated no matter how many laws are passed or what happens in society that tries to squelch our voice and tries to diminish us with different names and different things like that. No, the Lord's got our back. And we are not fulfilling our own will or our own plan. We're not here on our own agenda. The Lord has sent us to accomplish His will, and it will be done. It shall be established. And great things shall transpire, and many, many lives will be swept into the kingdom, and it will be for His glory. And I tell you, it's not going to be some puny structure like the Colosseum that only lasts a couple thousand years. It's going to be something glorious that lasts for even the ages to come. Amen. Father, thank you for working in us today. Thank you for, for speaking to our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.